You're listening to the Run the Riot podcast, where we talk about all things ultra running. I'm your host, David Terrio, and man, I'm pumped that you are here. Let's see what we can get into today. Hey there, my friends. Welcome to episode number 50 of the Run the Riot podcast. Yes, that is 50 episodes. Yeah, that's not even counting the midweek motivation, which I did not post this week, but will be posting next week. Yeah, so glad you guys are listening, man. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the podcast from the bottom of my heart. Thank you for those of you who who've supported via Patreon. Man, it just warms my heart to know that... Um, some people just just want to partner with the podcast and believe in what we're doing here, man. I love it. I love it. Love you guys. And uh, it's been great, man. Um, thinking about doing some few changes here and there along the way. You know, it's almost a, a year since we've done started the podcast. Might change the, the format up a little bit. I don't know. Might not. We'll see. Might just hear some different music, some different things going on there. I don't know. We'll see. Um, just praying about it, thinking about it. Um, any suggestions, guys? I would love to hear from you. If you got some suggestions of things you'd like to to hear that uh, maybe I haven't done or even certain people you'd like me to reach out to that you'd like to hear get interviewed, um, I'd love to hear it. I've got a list of people that I reach out to and, you know, uh, there's so many awesome ultra runners out there. Uh, I don't have too much trouble finding folks. Uh, some of them are just busy, have to, you know, have to get them on the schedule. But, um, but anyway, if you got somebody, you know, throw it my way. I, I'd love to hear it. Uh, today we've got, uh, someone from uh, California, Tim Davis. Uh, Tim Davis has an interesting story, um, Man, uh, he's he's author of a book, Tripolar. He's um he's a guy who who ran and then kind of kind of lost his way and uh, gained a whole bunch of weight and then found his way and then uh, now he's running hundred milers, ultra marathons. Uh, he ran uh, tr- you know, tries for a while and then he got into ultra marathons and uh, his book, uh, Tripolar: The Story of a Bipolar Athlete. Uh, he'll talk about it a little bit. And you'll find links to that in the, the show notes. But before we get started with Tim, I, I just want to remind you and, uh, and, and encourage you to check out the, the sponsors of the podcast. You know, um, it's, it's just cool to have uh, businesses that, that, that help and um, that just support the podcast. And so the first one I want you to hear about is the Outlaw Race Series. You've heard it before. Uh, you go to www.outlaw100.com. And check out the Outlaw Race Series. Uh, so the, the flagship race is the Outlaw 100. It's a tough and gritty 100 miler. Uh, check that out. I've got to get out there and run that thing eventually if I don't have other stuff scheduled. Uh, and I plan to. Uh, it's also the home of the Flat Rock Triple Crown, the Lake McMurtry Run, uh, the Flower Moon, the Dark and Dirty And on top of that, coming up November 13th in Norman, Oklahoma, is the Thunderbird. Yes, sir. It is the Thunderbird. You need to check it out. It's uh, I think the format's going to be a little bit different this year because of COVID and some different things. But it's 100K, 50K, 25K and a 5K. That is November 14th. You can find out all about it by going to outlaw100.com. So check that out. It's going to be a fun race. I, I'm pretty sure I'm going to, if, if I am recovered enough from Moab, I'll probably be running. If not, I'll probably be hanging out there. So, hey, if any got, anybody, anybody wants to come hang out, I don't know, uh, come run the race with me, run against me if I run it. If not, we can hang out. Might be doing some interviews from there. I don't know. But November 14th, Norman, Oklahoma, 
Thunderbird. Check it out. Go to www.outlaw100.com. Also brought to you, this podcast is brought to you by www.t8.run. The, le- run. the letter T, the number eight, dot run. Uh, gear for ultra runners by ultra runners man check out their commando shorts they're guaranteed to keep you chafe free and if you go to their website you use the code 50 dash run the riot and you get a discount check those guys out those commando shorts are awesome they do keep you chafe free and it's guaranteed check it out all right and then also one more pandemic follies if you go to www.modestgains.com and click on the pandemic follies button on top this is an interesting uh, interesting virtual race you've all been doing the virtual runs i guess you know i've even done a couple uh and they've got a short a long and an ultra but this one's got a twist to it it's not only running yes it does include running but it also has some crazy things like doing push-ups and kayaking with a football helmet on and all kind of unique crazy things that would be really fun to do as a family uh as as a group uh for work uh you could do the the short one which has you know some shorter distances and and less burpees and stuff or you can do the long or the ultra there are three different choices so go to www.modestgains.net and then click on pandemic follies up on the top and you can check that out and last but not least i just want to remind you guys um, if you can support the podcast by going to Patreon, um, you can go to the, the, the website, www.runtheriot.run, and there's a Patreon link there, you know, throw a couple few bucks a month, every little bit helps out. Uh, if you can't, that's okay. I love what I do. I'll enjoy this, but, uh, thank you so much for those who have been, who have been donating. And I guess this is, that wasn't the last, I got one more thing, uh, uh, if you could go to the, the go to apple uh, com and go to the the podcast page or wherever you listen and rate the podcast, you know, get, leave a little a little blurb or something on it, you know, what you think about it. Um, if you like it, you know, if you really can't stand the podcast, I don't know why you're listening, but if you can't stand it, <laughs> don't, don't leave don't leave me a one star, please. Uh, you know, but but give it an honest review, man. Put it on there; it helps out. So uh, so do that for for the podcast if you can. Uh, all right, that's enough stuff. Let's get into the podcast, ladies and gentlemen. We have for you today, Mr. Tim Davis. All right, today on the Run the Riot podcast, we've got all the way from California, Mr. Tim Davis. What's going on, Tim? Not much, man. How are you doing, David? Thanks for having me. Oh, doing well, man. Uh, we were just visiting before I hit record, and uh, you got a got a race coming up? I do. This weekend is Ion 100K. I'm very excited about doing a real race again. Yeah, man. It, it's it, I don't know about you, but during the break, it's kind of hard to get motivated sometimes when there's not a race right there. <laughs> yeah, it has been a little difficult. It's kind of been some recovery time, and I've messed around with a few virtual races, but, uh, you know, haven't been you know, I guess as motivated to get out there and do some of the long runs I was doing when I was training, you know, I definitely had a hundred miler coming up. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, man, uh, well, let's, let's, let's get started with, uh, let, let's talk about Tim, man. So, uh, where are you from originally? Are you from California originally? No, I was born in Atlanta, Georgia, but I moved when I was three years old. So, okay. so I don't remember Atlanta and we kind of moved around a bit, but we settled in West by God, Virginia. 
And I grew never up. Never heard in, of that one. <laughs> <laughs> never heard Westlake God, Virginia. People from West Virginia say that. I'm from West okay, okay. Virginia. That's, right. That's funny. Although where I grew up, man, people kind of talk like this. But I've been out in California so long, I kind of lost that accent. There you go. There you <laughs> I moved out to California when I was 18. And uh, at first, people told me I talked a little funny, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, so, yeah, I grew up in West Virginia. Um, I'm the third oldest of seven kids. Big Catholic family. Okay. Uh, nice, and, uh, nice. Came out to well, California when I was 18 to, to go to college. So, and I've been out here ever since. Oh, okay. What part of California are you in, man? Uh, I'm right beside Los Angeles. I'm in Alhambra, California. Oh, okay. You're not far from uh, my son lives out in uh, Oceanside. Not too, too yeah. far. Yeah, it's like an hour south. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool, man. Cool. Well, um, so growing up, um, you know, were you, um, did you do any a- athletic endeavors? Did you, did you run in school? Did you play sports? What did you do? Um, well, you know, as a real little kid, you know, me and my brother were always, you know, running around the woods and, you know, riding our bikes everywhere and uh, occasionally playing basketball. My mom wouldn't let any of us play sports till we were in high school. You know, oh, wow. Okay. The older four kids, anyway. The younger three kids got a little more spoiled. You know, they were allowed to play sports before high school. But yeah, that, that's the know. way it works. They, 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 they mess were, up on us and then figure it out for the younger ones. Yeah. <laughs> finances were tight and this and that because um, yeah. she sent us all to Catholic school. Um, but um, yeah, in high school, I played sports. I played uh, three years of football, two years of basketball, and I ran track all four years. Uh, oh, so you tried to get it all in in high school? <laughs> yeah, I probably would have done more, but I ended up transferring schools twice. Yeah, after my sophomore year, the school I was at closed down, and then I was going to it was a Catholic school, and then I was going to another Catholic school, but it was a forty-five minute commute every day, and then my car broke down, and my my mom couldn't afford to fix the car, and I didn't, you know, I couldn't afford to fix it, so then I ended up going to the local public school for my last three semesters of high school. So oh, I, I would have played like all four seasons and pretty much or all four years of all the sports, but I was ineligible because of the you know when you transfer you have to sit out like a semester, so I missed a couple seasons. Gotcha, gotcha. So, did you um, you involved in sports and stuff when you went to college? Did you continue doing you know intramural sports, or did you do do anything else after that? Yeah, yeah. In college, I did intramural flag football and intramural basketball. I was a big time basketball player. That was my favorite sport, you know. And then running was always like, I was always running to train for basketball. I mean, I didn't even know it when I was in high school, but I used to run this loop all the time, and I only thought it was like three or four miles. I actually went back and measured it recently. It was like a seven mile loop that I ran all the time. <laughs> I, was, nice. I was like, I'm gonna go run three or four miles, and it had a lot of hills in West Virginia, you know. And I just ran this thing all the time, and I loved the way I felt afterwards, and it was great conditioning for basketball, you know. And then in, in college, I ran my first marathon uh and that's a funny story in itself if if you could allow me to tell that story (laughs) yeah 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 what what, tell me about that so my freshman year at usc i actually walked onto the cross country team and trained with them for a couple months but i was the slowest guy on the team and realized you know i was never gonna actually get to you know be one of the six guys who gets to participate in the meets so yeah i kind of fell off on that and kind of started smoking weed and partying a lot and you know not keeping full track of my fitness but i did play basketball every day and then anyway, the week before the LA Marathon, I went to, went out to dinner with my roommate and his parents, and I didn't even really know what a marathon was. And uh, they were talking about how his grandpa runs the LA Marathon every year, and he's like 68 years old. So me, 18-year-old <laughs> young gun, thinking, this, this 68-year-old guy can run a marathon, I can run a marathon. So what did I do? I went up and signed up for that LA Marathon with, you know, I mean, I played a lot of basketball, and I'd run some 10Ks, but I'd never run more than a 10K. Yeah. And I, you know, I signed up for the LA Marathon, and being 18 and young, dumb, and full of you know what, 
yeah. my strategy was I'm gonna go out fast because I'm gonna get tired. And yeah. I went out fast. I was wow. doing like sub six minute miles for the first ten miles, and I felt great. You know, I wasn't too far behind some of the you know elite, not the pros, but like the yeah. elite age groupers. You know. Yeah. And then around mile ten, things started getting a little tight. Mile 13, things got really tight, and I felt like I had bricks in my legs, and I was just getting ready to kind of veer off to the side, and I was like, I told myself, I'm just going to walk for a little bit. And this old black dude pulled up beside me and says, you can't quit walking now. And this guy was like my Eskimo, my guardian angel. He, like, stayed with me the whole second half of the race. He ran all the second 13 miles with me to the finish line and got me to the end, and he just, like, cheered me on. I mean, I felt like he was, like, Rocky's coach, you know, just coaching <laughs> yeah. me on because I wanted to quit, but he's like, you got to keep going. Going. I was like, all right, I got to keep going. You know, and he just pet me. I wish I knew this guy's name. You know, and we got to the finish line, and he's like, we're gonna cross the finish line together, right? And he's, oh, he's like, oh no, I can't cross the finish line with you. I'm like, why not? He's like, oh, because I banded at this race, man. I can't cross the finish line and take a medal. I didn't pay for it. I didn't even know what a band it was. Yeah, you didn't even know. Yeah, that's and at crazy. The time I thought, wow, somebody's gonna do a marathon and not pay to get their shirt and their medal. You know, yeah, I'm like, this guy, he's just out here running it for the hell of it. You know, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> so. And then I was very sore for a week afterwards. I could barely walk up and down ste- steps. I was peg-legging it. I remember I got back to my dorm. And my roommates were making fun of me because I couldn't walk up the steps. Yeah. Oh, man. What was your time on that one, man? 3.59 and 37 seconds. Well, hey, dude, that's that's pretty awesome. You must have yeah. – yeah, you were really flying that first half. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was because I ran the first half in like an hour and a half, but the second half was like close to two and a half hours. And yeah. I remember I was getting close to the finish line, and they were saying, if you want to come under four hours, you got to step it up. And somehow, somehow I dug deep and kind of sprinted the last 100 yards to, to come in under four hours, which felt good, you know, for a first-timer. Nice, so. nice, nice. So, so – after that experience, I mean, I mean, so you did a marathon, and that's something that's that's a huge accomplishment. You're 18 years old. Did you did you continue running, or or, or did you did, you know what happened after that? Um, after that, I realized quickly that you know, wow, if I actually trained for this, I could do a lot better. So I ran it again my sophomore and my junior year. Um, and my sophomore year, I went back and ran a 3:30. And, you know, I was very happy by dropping a half hour time. And then my junior year, I went back and I decided the day before at the expo, they were handing out all these different vitamins and supplements. And I pretty much just took every one that they had. (laughs) And I think that was a bad idea, like the morning before the race, because that's I just cramped up and uh, like everything was out of whack and uh, <laughs> I yeah. had a horrible race. <laughs> I ended up dropping out at mile 20. And it was oh, like, man. I could, like my legs, I just cramped up as everything locked up. I, could, I, could, I don't know. I, I would, too much electrolytes is a bad thing, I think, because you can overdo it and it has the, you know, the, the opposite effect of what you want it to have. I learned that the hard way. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. Well, did you, um, so, so after, after college, did you continue, continue running? continue racing and stuff or uh well you know uh part of my story is that uh, i'm an alcoholic and an addict and uh you know after college you know even my senior year i was kind of partying so much that i didn't bother running the marathon that year yeah and i kind of went off the deep end with drugs and alcohol for a while and then i tried to start getting sober at 25 when i had my first kid and i managed to stay sober for like a year and you know i kind of was in and out of the rooms of aa for a while and when i was sober i would train but then every time i relapsed i wouldn't train because i'd just be smoking weed and drinking and smoking cigarettes so i kind of went back and forth with that for a few years i did a couple triathlons that i remember i did the first annual la triathlon and the second annual one which was near 2000 2001 which was when i was 25 and 26 and then i dove 
deeper in alcoholism and, and you know drug use for a few more years, and then I, I got sober when I was 30. And uh, during from age 30 to 33, I had three years of sobriety. And during those years, I was overweight. I was like 230, and I, wow. I was running running some marathons. Then I ran a couple marathons each year, but I was running like five and a half, six hour marathons. Like I was just yeah. <laughs> trudging through it because I was carrying a lot more weight. I mean, right now I'm 180, you know, so I was I was carrying like 50 extra pounds, you know, so yeah. Lower. Wow. So what, what do you, um, what do you attribute? I mean, because, because a lot of, a lot of listeners, a lot of people in the ultra world, as you know, have, have, have been through, or some of them are going through dealing with substance abuse and, 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 you know, just, and even just other issues. But what do you, what do you think kept bringing you back, man? What was, what was, you know, why, why did you struggle with? Cause you, you would get sober and then, you know, fall back into it. Uh, what, so what brought me back to drinking and using? Yeah. Drugs? What kept, what kept bringing you back? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I guess, you know, for the longest time, I just, you know, denial, I did not want to believe I was an alcoholic or an addict, you know, and, you know, I get in these rooms and I get 30 days sober and then my little alcoholic brain would say like, you didn't drink for 30 days, you don't have a problem, you can have just one drink. And it was never just one drink, you know, in AA we have this saying, one is too many and a thousand is never enough. And every time I never just had one drink, it was always several drinks and then usually going to look for drugs. And, you know, some of my relapses were only a couple weeks, you know, I was never just a weekend bender guy. They always lasted at least a couple weeks and some of them lasted a few months. And it, 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 my poor wife, uh, <laughs> she, she kind of, I ran, you know, your name of your podcast is Run the Riot. I ran the riot with her for about five yeah. years. Bless her heart and bless Al-Anon for keeping our marriage together because she's still oh, with wow. me for 23 years we've been married so wow wow that's 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 yeah yeah bless her for for sticking around you know and putting up with that man that's tough yeah wow so so what do you um so how long how old were you when you finally you finally kicked it my 33rd birthday it was june 14th 2007 because i yeah. did have that three years sober from age 30 to 33 then i had one last two month relapse and I remember um, the last day I used it on my 33rd birthday. My sobriety day is June 15, 2007. I got 13 years and three months now. Nice. So uh, no drugs or alcohol. And I got 12 years of no cigarettes. I didn't oh, quit nice. smoking until I was like a year and a half sober. Yeah, <laughs> and I yeah. I smoked like a pack a day, you know, when I first got sober. And kind of when I was drinking and using, I chain smoked a lot. So. Wow, wow. So what, what, what do you think was the difference when you were 33? Did you just finally something clicked and you, you were just – Tired of living it? Never. Um, God, you know, I had a really bad relapse right before I turned 30, you know, and I I was doing methamphetamine and a lot of hardcore oh, wow. drugs. Yeah, yeah, it was bad. And, you know, I was just kind of living out of my car. And then I got into this accident. I'd been up for a week on speed. I crashed the car and my little baby brother was in it. He was only 16 at the time and almost killed him. And that was the first time I realized that, whoa, you know, what I'm doing with the drugs and alcohol could actually hurt somebody else. Yeah, Up until yeah. that point, I thought I was only hurting myself. So, you know, don't worry about me. I can, you know, I, whatever. I got my thing under control. I had nothing under control. But, you know, my yeah. delude yeah. was not telling me, as long as I'm not hurting anybody else, I'm doing all right. Yeah. And then that little relapse I had when I was 33 was basically because I also have bipolar disorder. Mm-hmm. And um, when I was 33, I got into a little trouble at work. Um and I stressed out about it, had a lot of anxiety about it, and kind of went off my meds and started using marijuana again for a couple months because uh, I ended up getting fired from this job for something I did that was unethical, and I regret gotcha. it. Gotcha. But that was the last time I did anything like that. And uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm happy to say since I got sober at age 33, I'm 13 years plus sober now, and I've had the same job for 13 plus years. So. Nice. 
Nice. It's yeah, important you- to me because before I got sober, I never stayed at any one place of employment for more than two years at best, you know. So my resume was a little checkered until I really got sober. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Man, that's 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 pretty amazing. I mean, and, and then to be diving deep, you know, to the, the strong, strong stuff, you know, the meth and, yeah. and everything else, man, that's that's crazy. Uh, it, and and tell me what it's like, uh, you know, because I, I to be bipolar, you know, I know I know some people who you know say they they, they deal with bipolar disorder and stuff. Tell tell me what that's like. I mean, what uh, is from from your perspective? From my perspective, well, there's different types of bipolar. There's type one and type two, and there's some variations on type two. Um, but so type one's the severe manic depressive, and they go into like three to six month periods of either depression or, or mania. I'm a type two rapid cycler, so I kind of you know have you know lately I don't you know well thanks to COVID I've had some depression, but <laughs> I'm hey, welcome to like the party. I, yeah, yeah I, know, I think we all do. You know that's like normal. But um, before I you know got sober and started listening to my psychiatrist and taking my meds and found exercise as like the third component, you know, take care of the mind, body and spirit. Um, you know, I'd have, you know, periods of mania where I you know, just couldn't sleep and I had insomnia for several days. Um, but now it's just highs and lows throughout the course of a day. You know, the meds that I'm on are mood stabilizers, you know, they don't get me high or anything. They just kind of help stabilize my mood some, but I still have more mood fluctuation than like the normal person, you know? So I think the hardest part for me is, you know, my default is kind of negative thinking, you know, and that's my, I call it my bipolar alcoholic thinking is I just have to constantly do the self-talk, you know, cause like the way I look at the world can be pretty sick and twisted sometimes, you know, I just filled with dark thoughts and my AA sponsor always says I'm responsible for my second thought and my first action. So, because a lot of times my first thought's bad crazy, but apparently that's not just bipolar people. A lot of normal people, are, <laughs> they, they, they say they think think the same thing, you know, that, and they do the whole second thought, first action thing too, you know, or what would Jesus do if you're a Christian or whatever, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Well, and in the Bible, uh, Bible talks about taking your thoughts captive, you know, and that's, yeah, that's, that's yeah. important, you know? <laughs> so. Yeah. So, um, Wow. So uh, running, uh, you said you found running and exercise as as a component of of helping you heal. So you kind of did you like rediscover, you know, your your love for running and, and, uh, you know, triathlons and things like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like I had done those couple triathlons when I was 25 and then I got sober at 33. And in my first year of sobriety, actually, when I first got sober, I, I was at 180. But that's because I was on the Jenny Crank diet from doing a lot of methamphetamine. <laughs> oh, OK, got you. <laughs> Jenny Crank, you know, Crank. Is yeah, yeah. Anyway, yeah. so that, you know, and in my first year of sobriety, they said, you know, when you're getting sober, don't worry about, you know, just worry about staying off drugs and alcohol. Don't worry about quit smoking. Don't worry about what you eat. So I go to all these 12 step meetings and they always had cakes and cookies, you know, and my boys were little at dinner table. You know, they didn't finish their plate. Just hand it to dad. He's the wonder disposal. So I just ate like a pig and I gained 60 pounds in my first year of sobriety. Wow. And then when I was a year and a half sober, you know, it was I remember it was New Year's Eve, December 31st, 2008. It was New Year's Eve uh, before 2009. And I stepped on the scale and it said I weighed 250. And that wow. was like my big aha moment because I was like, holy, you know, I'm a math guy, you know, and 250 rounds up to 300. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, my God, I'm only five foot nine. You know, I don't 300 is a lot to carry. And I just like at the rate I was going, I was like. Hey, this is not good. You know, I'm going to end up on that show Biggest Loser or something. And I didn't want to do yeah. that. 
So I just made a simple kind of resolution uh, that I was going to do three things. I was going to stop eating seconds. I was going to start going to the gym every day or exercising every day. And then I, I wasn't allowed to watch TV or play video games until I'd done at least an hour of exercise each day. Hey, you know, it's kind of a couch potato. If I wasn't at meetings and wasn't at work, I was just laying on the couch playing video games with the boys or watching sports games, you know, and just being a lazy bum, you know. Yeah, yeah. So, and I wow. did that and I lost 60 pounds in six months. And then I was doing my first half marathon. And uh, three months later, I was doing my first sprint try again, you know. And man, after I did that sprint try, I got hooked because I did way better than I thought I would, you know. I placed 16th in my age division and I just wanted to finish. And I was like, wow, you know. And I went to this triathlon in like basketball shorts with an old rickety mountain bike that didn't even have a tune up. And like, you know, <laughs> yeah. these guys are in there with their aero helmets and like their carbon fiber bikes, you know, and yeah, everything. Yeah. And, they, and their tri suits that are all form fitting. And I'm just out there with these Laker shorts and like this old jersey and just doing it. And I'm like, wow, you know, if I get like these guys, I could maybe start placing, you know. So I just started training and got the gear and got the suit and you know i started getting some podium fishes finishes in some of the smaller races in my age group i mean i was never like an yeah. elite pro or anything but i did get some podium finishes in my age group at some of the tries you know and then and i kept running and doing half marathons and started getting into marathons and did a bunch of iron mans from 2010 to 2014 i did two iron mans a year Nice. And then in 2014, I did my first 100 miler, and then I got—I really got into ultras after that because I just found that I love trail running and kind of, you know, got less into doing triathlons and really into ultras after that. So. Yeah. So, so you uh, wait. How? Uh, I want to make sure yeah. I get this right. How long did it take you to lose your 60 60 pounds? I lost my 60 pounds in six, uh, six months. Nice, nice. So about 10 pounds a month. Just, yeah. just, and and your three things were exercise daily. Oh, and no seconds, exercise daily, and you don't play video games or watch TV until you until you exercise for an hour. Yeah. Nice. And I don't even okay. really play video games anymore. I kind of just fell off the video games, but I, I do watch some Netflix, you know. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, who does? I mean, <laughs> well, um, well and, and, you know, and when you when you put it like that, that's that sounds so simple, you know. Um, and so for anybody listening that, you know, hey, having trouble struggling, you know, what to do, you're out of shape, man, just three simple resolutions you know yours might be a little different maybe you need to start with like a half an hour or something but yeah yeah something you know um man it's just yeah. walking around the block you know and building up from there yeah know? yeah yeah that's that's awesome that's awesome so so you did the try thing you kind of like wow i like this i i did i you did you did well um and then and then you discovered uh, trail running. So you did your, you said you did your first, was it your first hundred in 2014 or your first, uh, ultra? Uh, I did my first 50 K in 2011, but I was okay. still pretty hooked into triathlon. So I, I did a few, a couple 50 milers and a couple 50 Ks during, from 2011 to 2014. I wasn't ready to step up to the hundred mile distance until 2014. Cause a buddy of mine, one of my best training partners, he was running the AC 100 race every year. So gotcha. like, Every summer, you know, I'm a teacher and I have summers off, so that's when I do, you know, big races. And I do with these Ironmans in the summer. I'd be like, hey, Larry, you know, I just did another Ironman. And he'd be like, hey, Tim, so what? You want to run a real race? I just did Angela's Crest 100 mile endurance run. <laughs> so finally, after 2013, after doing like my eighth Ironman, I'm like, all right, we'll see what this damn 100 mile you know, madness is all about. And I threw my hat in the ring and I got into the race and, and it was on. It got real after that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. There's something about it, man. So, 
so my uh, I don't know my first uh, ultra I, my first ultra was I did a hundred miler now I did some ultra distances in training for it but there's and I've gone back I've done other distances and I, I love them I enjoy them I love being on the trails but there's something about that that hundred mile distance man just just I don't know so tell me tell me about your you know doing Angeles Crest for your first hundred mile. Um, what did your training look like going into it? I mean, you were definitely in shape. You had been doing Ironman. You, your cardio was probably good. You knew how to train that. What did you do differently to get ready to go out there and hit the trails? Um, I guess one thing, I, a couple things I did differently is I, I, I started doing weights a little more. Like I did weights quite a bit as a triathlete, you know, usually mm-hmm. one to three times a week. Yeah. But training for AC100, I made sure that I was doing it three times a week. Um, and I just got on the trails a lot more. Um, yeah. I live close to the back end of the AC 100 course. Um, and I'm, I'm 50, I live 15 minutes away from the finish line and 15 minutes away from mile 75. Nice. Uh, so I run the back 25 miles of that thing all the time. I didn't really get up to the first year. I didn't get to any of the other sections of the course. I hadn't, well, I was nervous cause I hadn't run any of the sections miles zero through 75 because my, my work schedule and the other races, I just never got on the first 75 miles of the course. So I was really nervous not knowing the first 75 miles. I was, yeah, I should have, you know, from that year, I learned that I need to get on the other section of the course. <laughs> when I went back, I trained on every mile of that course for the, you know, when I went back the other years. So yeah, nice, nice. There's there's benefit to, to that. My first hundred, I was able to train on the course that I, you know, I would do my my weekend long runs on it, and so uh, there's definitely benefit to it. But I also enjoy going to a race I've never been in a state I've never been, and just like here we go, let's do it, you know. It's yeah, that's what I'm fun. looking forward to about Zion 100K because I've only been to Zion National Park once 15 years ago with my wife and my boys when they were little, and we just hiked around. I mean, my boys were four and six, so we weren't hiking very far. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, so this um, and the course is actually right beside the park; it's not in the park, so it's going to be on all trails I've never been before. So I'm really stoked about that. Nice, nice. It's it's kind of fun to, to just to unknown the adventure of it, you know. And yeah. uh, you know, you it, I don't know. It fuels me in in prepping because uh, you know, like I got to be ready for whatever, you know. Yeah, yeah. I know. I like that kind of the uncertainty of it is actually exciting. Yeah. Yeah. So how did you? Uh, so you, you trained. Uh, what what did your mileage? You know, you got to run some of the course. What did your mileage look like on that first one hundred? For the first 100, um, 50 to 70 miles a week, you know, yeah. pretty much, you know, from six months out till race time. Yeah. And then I had a two or three weeks where there were 100 mile weeks, you know, okay. about a month, two months to a month before I pumped in a few of those. Yeah. Nice. Nice. And uh, so what was your experience like uh, doing the actual race? Um, well, running a hundred miles is always a spiritual experience to me. <laughs> yeah. 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 I like the way Dean Carnazzi says it. He's like, if you want to run, run a mile. If you want to get in shape, run a marathon. But if you want to talk to God, go run a hundred miler. <laughs> yeah. I'm paraphrasing, yeah. but it's something like that. Yeah. It's one yeah. Of the books. I've read a lot of his books. Um, and you know, it was like that, man. The AC went on a course is beautiful. And the first year I ran it, they still had almost the whole first 50 miles is along the Pacific crest trail. Oh, and man. it's just like, for me, you know, those first 75 miles, I'd never been on any of that, you know, course. And it was just so beautiful. I mean, it's, it's high country. It's a lot like the, the high country of these, you know, the San Gabriel mountains is very similar to the Sequoias and, you know, uh, or I mean to the Sierras, not the Sequoias, but gotcha. you know, the Eastern Sierras and, uh, 
you know, I was doing good until about mile, um, I don't know, 44 or so. And then I was like, man, I can't wait to meet up with my pacer because, you know, I was kind of, you know, getting tired of listening to the same music and I was just ready for a change of venue. And uh, the second half was just a whole nother story, man. I, I thought I was going <laughs> to die at, at, at a couple points. I remember yeah. we were when I met my second pacer, when I actually when I got to Chantry Flats at A Station 75, uh, from mile 50 to 75, I kind of pissed and moaned with my pacer, Sam. And uh, at at one point, I was seeing, like, I looked over uh, around this hill, and I could have swore I saw Friar Tuck standing on a tree, <laughs> swan diving off the cliff, you know? And who the hell sees Friar Tuck in the that, middle That's of what I haven't heard yet. I've heard of him. <laughs> yeah. And he was just big and fat and in his robe, and he just swan dove off this tree down this mountain. I'm like, I was like, and I told my friend Sam, I'm like, that's not right. He's like, what, what do you mean that's not right? And I was like, oh, man. I told him what I saw. And he's like, yeah, dude, you're losing it, bro. <laughs> and then at another point during those 25 miles with him, uh, I was, I just started cursing out horses. And I don't know if we're allowed to curse on this radio, but I was like, effing horses, man. And he's like, he, both my pacers had never even pacinated before, and they'd never even run more than a 50K. You know, they were marathon runners, road runners mostly, you know, just getting into trail running. And so, they knew about as much about pacing as I did about running 100 miles, you know, because having never done it before. Yeah. And he was like, "What are you talking about, effing horses?" And I told him, you know, the story I knew about the first Western states, you know, like uh, okay, Gordon Ansley, you know, his horse went lame, so he decided he was just going to go out and do it himself without the horse. <laughs> and I'm like, if it wasn't for horses, nobody would have <laughs> ever thought to run 100 miles, and the Western nice. states wouldn't have been born, and all these other races wouldn't have popped up after that. <laughs> That's so anyway, funny. That's awesome. Yeah, I was like, why is he cursing horses? <laughs> <I know>. Nice. <laughs> nice. Uh, but you 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 push forward, you got it done. Um and uh and how did you, how was your recovery on that like compared to your first marathon, I guess? Um wow. You know, with honestly, I had trained well enough that like the soreness in my quads and stuff that I got after my first marathon was worse because I just okay. didn't train for that race, you know, and yeah. after the 100 mile race, like the soreness in my quads went away after, you know, two or three days and I was able to go up and downstairs slowly, but yes. I was, I was yeah. able to do it. Yeah. My knees were stiffer than it ever been before, but I've had some knee surgeries and knee injuries, you know, so I just threw more ice on that and that helped, you know. Yeah. But uh, it was surprisingly, I've always recovered pretty well, you know, so I've been lucky that way. Have you found uh, that, that as you've done more and more, uh, you know, especially 100 miles, that, that you recover, your recovery kind of goes a little quicker each one? You know, it kind of, it's, it fluctuates. <laughs> yeah. I would say up until the last couple of years, it's always been really well. I've had battled a couple of different injuries over the last couple of years with like, this weak glute diagnosis and then having stem cells injected in my left knee and then I had some other thing going on my hip you know so I guess the aggravation of those injuries that made me feel like the recovery's gone a little slower at times so yeah but for, for the most part I recover pretty well all right I, I have to ask because I, I'm also I've, I've had multiple knee surgeries um tore my ACL uh twice the second time i just jacked up all my cartilage and everything else. So what, what, what kind of injuries did you have to your knee? Just curious. Yeah. Um, at age 22, I tore my left knee ACL playing okay. basketball. Okay. And half the meniscus. And they just cut out the meniscus because it was non-repairable. So I got a reconstructed ACL with two screws and half the meniscus removed. And then at age 27, did the exact same thing to my right knee playing oh. basketball. <laughs> wow. 
and I continued to play basketball until I was 35, you know, because each time I had the surgery, I did the rehab, you know, physical therapy yeah, yeah. back out there because I was a basketball player for a long time before I became a triathlete and an ultra runner. Yeah. Uh, and uh, now, like recently, you know, in the last few years, you know, my orthopedics, like there's no cartilage left in your left knee and there's not much left in your right knee. But that's, I've had those stem cells two years ago. And it's still, I mean, I get some aches and pains here and there, but it's doing way better. Yeah. I was having some really bad pains a couple of years ago. Like it just laid in bed. I, it felt like lightning bolts were firing through and like an axe was chopping at my knee. And I was like, uh, I'm, just I'm not even moving. Yeah. yeah so. <laughs> well, that's good. You see, and I haven't, had, I, you know, I've looked into a little bit of stem cell stuff, and I get some soreness every now and then in that in that knee because the second time they had to cut some meniscus, they tried to repair it, and then I had to go back in and cut it. Um, and so, but but I, I've, I'm taking certain supplements uh, that are really good for the knees and joints. And uh, I, since I started doing some of those things, man, I, I'm doing a lot better. Like I don't, it doesn't bother me near as much. Um, so with some of the things I started taking, some natural things, some uh, Sam E, some collagen, some a few other things that I found, avocado extract, something. Oh, man, wow. it's really working. Like I'm. I I'm, should maybe get that list for the future. <laughs> yeah, man, I'll send it to you. I, I'll send you. I'll send you exactly what I'm taking. But it, after a while, I noticed like, man, I'm really like my knees doing really well, you know. And um, you know, even after hammering out some long distances and some some races, I'm like, okay, all right, I like this. I'm gonna keep this protocol going, man. <laughs> yeah, I just take glucosamine chondroitin. Um, I was on meloxicam for a while, which is like an anti-inflammatory, and yeah. fish oil. Yeah, so. I do fish oil and and uh, glucosamine chondroitin, whatever. Yeah, all that. Yeah, <laughs> that, <No>. too. <laughs> that stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, shark cartilage, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that stuff. Yeah, and um, but uh, you know, and I I, I looked because I was curious. I always like to look. You and I are you and I are about the same age, so. You know, um, yeah, we got we to gotta take care of these bodies, man. So. Yeah, I know. For as long as we can. <laughs> That's it, because I want to I keep running, you know. I want to keep doing it. I figure so. even when I can't run, I'll still hike. You know, I'll be out there with the cane, just, you know, doing whatever trails I can still do. <laughs> hey, man, I, I love I love being out on the trails. I, 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 I did, you know, road running, marathons. I still do them. But uh, when I can get out on the trails, man, especially in the mountains. Yeah. Yeah, that's it's special, man. Especially I grew up in South Carolina. Yeah. And so when I can get away to get to Colorado or, or wherever, yeah. man, it's, it's, yeah, it's good. We need that, man. We need that time with, with nature. I think we're, I think yeah. a lot of people are missing that today. Yeah. You know, living in the city, um, you, you just got to reconnect with, 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 with what God's created, man. Yeah. yeah. I agree with that wholeheartedly. Yeah, man. So, so you did Angela's Crest, man. And then, so, you, you know, that was kind of, you know, you drinking the heavy Kool-Aid there. What, uh, <laughs> so how, how quick was it before you decided, you know, Hey, I'm going to, I want to keep doing this. I want to do some more hundreds. Um, well, when I first crossed that finish line, I told my, my, my wife and my family and my friends that I am one and done. And <laughs> I'm never doing this again. Famous last and, uh, words. <laughs> uh, you know, that was the first time I did a race and I said that. Um, since then, I've done several races and said that after the race, right after the race. Yeah. And uh, that only lasts for usually a few days or a week at the most before I'm on ultra sign up looking for another race. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. funny how that phenomenon happens. They just don't even believe me anymore. They're like, yeah, right. You know, in a week, you're going to be finding another race, which always happens. Yeah. yeah <laughs> so yeah. Um, actually that year I missed um, they had that year was weird because they had registration for the race the very next day. So I oh, said, wow. screw that. I didn't register yeah. and I, I didn't get into the 2015 race. And then a week later, I was pissed off at myself. I was yeah. like, oh, 
you know. <laughs> so I, I ended up being a pacer in 2015, and since I didn't get into um, Angela's Crest 100 mile race, I was looking around at um, ultra triathlons, which are longer than Ironman distance. Oh, and wow. I signed up. I signed up for the Oregon Double Anvil, which is a, a double Ironman distance triathlon, and that's what I did the next summer instead of AC 100. Oh wow, man, that's that's yeah. that's intense, dude. That was intense. How, how <laughs> long did that take? That was that one had a 39-hour time limit, and see, there were 16 people signed up. Eight of us started, or 10 of us started. Eight of us finished. I finished DFL, only race I ever DFL'd in, at 38 hours, 53 minutes. I had seven minutes to spare. Wow, dude, that's crazy. That's, <laughs> that that's, was crazy. <laughs> I bet you that's hard to push like toward the end. Like you're not, you know, oh, I you're know. not sure if you're gonna make it. You know. Yeah. You know what is crazy is like, so the, the run, like on those kind of, those ultra triathlons, they always set them up on these safe courses where it's a lot of loops and a lot of laps. Like okay. the swim was eight laps, the bike was 40 laps, and the run was a 1.3 mile loop that you did, uh, I think also 40 times or something like that. Wow. And uh, so it's 30 or 40 loops on this one, whatever adds up to 52.4 when you yeah. take 1.3, maybe it was 30. But uh that he timed the splits for everybody on all their mo- the loops all day, and my yeah. three last loops were the three fastest splits on the of everybody for the whole race, even the first Dude, place. Dude, that's crazy. That's because everybody was like, "You gotta go, you gotta keep going." So like, I was pulling out, some, banging out some seven minute miles, and I was, I don't know how I did it. I just wanted to finish within the time limit. I got a yeah. second wind and. Wow. So, so you, for, for, for one of those, you do all the swimming at one time, then all the biking at one time. So, so 4.8 miles of swimming, 224 yep. miles of biking, Correct. and then, and then a double, you know, 52.4 miles. Golly. Yeah, that was a mission. <laughs> and that one had hills. It was in Oregon. Like the bike course had rolling hills and the run. Oh, course nice. Had- Great. Yeah. 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 That's why it actually had the 39 hour time limit. Cause the guy who puts on those races, he, he owns this company called ultra try or USA ultra try. And, uh, he, they have two other races in Florida and, uh, Virginia. Those ones have been going on longer, but those are a flat courses. So they only have a 36 hour time limit cause oh, they actually yeah. are, they're flat courses. So. Wow. That's crazy. I, I've never, uh, I don't know. I guess I never really heard of those. I mean, I've read uh, I read Rich Roll's book where they where they did the uh, Ultraman in Hawaii. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's some crazy stuff there. That's you know? <laughs> right too. If I had the money, I'd love to go do that one, man. You know, it's like yeah. So that's isn't that five islands in five days, right, or something? Or I think I, I think they did. Or no, they ended no, up doing seven in in seven days is what they did, or that something was like that. Own thing. Yeah, yeah. The yeah. actual the Ultraman is kind of different. It's a three day race. Yeah. Where the first day is a really long swim and then a short, kind of shortish bike, like a 60-mile bike. And then the second day is like a really long bike. It's almost a double century. And then I think the last day is like a double marathon run or something like that. Yeah, yeah. That's that's some crazy stuff. You just said if we had the money, uh, I always talk, you yeah. know, talking with other ultra runners, be like, how can we do this full time? You know, if we could just like, just go cruising around, checking out races and running and, oh, you know, exploring you know. the mountains and go to, go, go to Hawaii, hang out, run the Hurt 100 or try to yeah. run the Hurt 100, you know, whatever. It'd be so cool. <laughs> it would be so cool. I'd love to say I've done a race in every state or in every country. It'd be so really rad if I, if I had the budget and the time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Hey, so um, before we get into more races, um, so you're a teacher. What do you teach? I teach high school biology and general science. Oh, nice. Okay, cool. The, I mean, a, a good thing about teaching, I mean, I guess you got, you know, you have some holidays and some, 
some the summer, a little bit of summer to, to do some stuff. So that's cool. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I'm a spring break and winter break, you know. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm IT director at a at a school, so I've got uh, I don't get quite as much off because I have to go in and do some you know some of my nerd stuff. You know, when when <laughs> nobody's there, but I I do enjoy the benefit of getting a little extra time to to get out and I try to you know look at okay when spring break. All right, what races do we have? What's you know when's fall yeah, break? Yeah, exactly. yeah, man. Try to try to plug those things did uh that's cool that's cool do your uh do your kids uh in in your class do they do they know what you do and you know what do they what do they think yeah, if they do some of them do um i was at the same school wilson high school for 12 years and i coached track there for four years and okay. so the kids on the track team knew because i trained with them i i trained the distance runners the one and the two mile runners and the cross country runners and uh yeah i just go out there i'm like this is what we're doing today and i'd run with them and i was usually yeah. the fastest or second fastest guy out there there was a couple kids that could beat me yeah but most of them were like you know trying to keep up and i'm like you got to keep up with the old man come on <laughs> nice. Young, you know nice yeah, and, yeah. Uh, I no, I what, I what was the question again? No, no, just yeah, I was just wondering if the kids knew about it and stuff oh, oh, and yeah, what, yeah. what they thought. Yeah. Yeah, and then I took the last year off. I took a one year leave to actually write my book. So now when I came back, I'm actually at a new school and we're doing this virtual teaching with Zoom classes. So Yeah. And most of the kids are camera shy and don't even turn their camera on. And we had this whole empathy training where it's like, well, if they don't want to turn their camera on, we can't really force them. So it's like I'm, I see profile pics, but it's like yeah. the connection with the students isn't quite there. So it hasn't really come up. You know, we've only been back to school a few weeks, too. So yeah, yeah, with these students, but with my old students at Wilson High School, yeah, a lot of them knew what I was doing. And they, you know, some of them thought it was really cool and some of them thought it was crazy. I mean, because yeah. a lot more people think it's crazy to run 100 miles because they don't even want to drive 100 miles. Yeah, right? yeah. Yeah, exactly. Never heard that. Never heard that. <laughs> well, the uh, what I think I, you know, and I've gotten to um, to talk to our cross country kids, and our, you know, and I go run with them after we after I visit with them, and but uh, in some of my races when they're tracked, I think it's kind of cool that you start finding out a lot of the the kids and parents and some of the other teachers have been when I did the Tahoe 200, they were following along, you know, and you find out people that you don't even know knew you ran, you know, or messaging you, and, and like it was really cool. It was it's really a I don't know, a cool feeling, you know, that, Hey, how'd you do? And, you know, um, and that, you know, it inspires people, you know, like, wow, um, I could never do that, you know? And like, yeah, you could, you know, if I can, yeah. you can, you know, yeah. I know that's been my mentality. I mean, that's what got me into doing Ironman. So I was like, if other people can do it, well, so can I, if I train enough, you know, yeah, the same yeah. hundred miles. I'm like, well, if these other people can do it and then so can I, you just gotta put your mind to it, you know? Yeah. 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 So, well, you just you just mentioned your book. So before we go to some more races, um, you, you, you said you took off to write a book, man. So so t- tell me about the book and uh, tell me about, uh, you know, what the, the name of the book for our listeners so they can check it out. All right. Uh, the name of the book is Tripolar, the story yeah. of a bipolar triathlete. And that's me, the bipolar triathlete. <laughs> so I just thought that that was a cool title because, you know, kind of when I really felt like. I was able to manage, you know, my recovery and being a bipolar person and just kind of, you know, basically get my together is when I started, you know, doing triathlons and I found that as an outlet, 
um, that kind of helped me because I, you know, I just have hypomania. Uh, I'm a type of bi- bipolar person that just kind of always has a lot of nervous energy, anxiety, and you know, exercise and burns that off, you know, and, uh, and then yeah. I'm able to chill out and kind of feel some zen and be normal and uh, not do stupid, crazy stuff like I used to when I was on drugs and alcohol. So um, anyway, so that's the title of the book. Um, the book it's it's a memoir. Uh, it was released in July. Um, and it's available on Amazon, uh, I, Apple Books, uh, Barnes and Noble, Book Depository. If you go to my website, um, ultratimdavis.com, there's links to those. Um, and it's available in um, paperback, uh, ebook, and the audiobook just came out Friday. I saw that, man. I was like, oh, you got the audiobook. That's cool, man. I, li- yeah. I listen to a lot of books, so that's, that's, me too. that's right up my alley. called me. I was listening to Corey Reese, Into the Furnace. Oh, no, I haven't listened to his books yet. I've, I've conversed with him a little bit through other stuff, but I, I need to check his books out because he's such a cool dude. Um, yeah. So I'm going to have to check that out. Yeah, I read his other book on paperback, uh, Nowhere Near First. Yeah. <laughs> so And that one was really cool. This one's really cool because actually right when I was listening to it, he was talking about running the Zion 100, and he's talking about the aid stations. I'm like, I was just looking at the aid station chart. Yeah. He's there. Yes, I'll be there. You know, like. <laughs> yeah. Nice, nice, nice. Well, uh, so so the book just 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 kind of talks about your story. Does it get into you know your your how you coped and and all those things like what 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 was going through your your mind during those times and all? Yeah, it kind of I would say it goes in three parts. You know, the first part kind of covers um, childhood and kind of a a big trauma I suffered at age 13. Um, when I was 13, uh, I was playing chase with my dad at our house, and he chased me out on the balcony. You know, and he'd been drinking a little bit that day, and uh, he tripped and fell off the balcony. And uh, ended up in a coma for eight months, but he was basically brain dead because he landed on his head and it was a two-story balcony. Oh, and uh, my older brother, who's four years older than me, and uh, he beat me up a lot. And, you know, he blamed me for killing my dad. Oh, so, wow. you know, at age 13, here I am blamed for my father's death. And uh, that yeah. was kind of when I started, you know, looking to drink and smoke weed to kind of escape these, you know, painful feelings that I didn't know how to deal with. Yeah, yeah. And my mom at the time was just, you know, such a train wreck because here she was left stranded with seven kids. Um, she never yeah. sought therapy for any of us because, I mean, I guess she didn't know any better. I mean, you know, and she says the only therapy we needed was a Catholic priest. But uh, we needed a lot more therapy than what you can get in a little confessional. <laughs> all, of, yeah. all seven of us did. Like my little brothers were age two, three and five. So they mm. basically grew up with no memories of their father. Wow. And uh, so that, the book talks about that. The first chapter is called Falling, and it talks about that trauma and, and how it kind of led me into drugs and alcohol. And, you know, and then it talks about, you know, getting into you know sports in high school. And then the second third of the book gets into how I started to try and get sober and how, you know, I went through several relapses. And then I was diagnosed bipolar at age 27 after I threatened to commit suicide. You know, it's pretty dark. Um, but mm. then once I get sober, you know. Then the last third of the book, those chapters talk about, you know, becoming tripolar is one of the titles of the chapter. And that's when I really found that, you know, triathlons was this outlet for me to like kind of manage my mania. And it was like, like I say, it's the third component, you know, like you got to take care of the mind, body and spirit, you know, and to take care of the mind. I, I took my mood stabilizers and listened to what my psychiatrist said, because when I first was diagnosed bipolar, I kept going off my meds. I feel I would feel good and be like, I don't need these anymore. But then I would get manic episodes again and other things, you know. Yeah. So take care of the mind by listening to the shrink, taking my meds, um, <laughs> take care of the spirit by going to my AA meetings and working the steps and then taking care of the body by exercising every day. And, you know, and. Mm. 
So, you know, and that's the last, you know, several chapters talk about, you know, all the Ironmans and ultra races I've done. So, yeah. Yeah. And you, for all you ultra runners out there, we want to make sure you know that the, that he does, he talks about the tri- triathlons, but the last few chapters are talking about what we're talking about today, the ultra running and, and all that. So, so there's some, there's some ultra info in there. <laughs> yeah. The last several chapters talk about both my AC 100 finishes and uh, Kodiak hundred finishes and born to run and, and running. Uh, I ran a couple sub 2400s at born to run in Daytona, nice. which were flatter races. And it was easier to run under 24 hours because <laughs> AC 100, yeah. I'm just, I'm, I'm kind of a mid to back a packer. I'm not one of those elite guys that can do that race and get the silver buckle at that one. Unfortunately, I, so well well so and you've done you said i think you said seven of 100 miles yeah i'm seven for 11 i've had four dnfs too okay okay um well just, just curious because listen uh we we've all i mean not, not we've all but i've, I've had the you know dns too and stuff um you what would they do to i, I like to talk about that because yeah. you know you, you need to learn from those things Okay. Um, well, the first one was actually my first 100-mile attempt. So uh, training for AC100, I was signed up to do the Born to 100K in May, and the AC100 is in August. And the week of the race, I decided to bump up to the 100-miler. But uh, the problem with that one was mindset because I just went in with mindset saying, you know what? I'm going to just sign up for the 100-miler and go as far as I can go. And yeah. it doesn't matter if I don't finish because this isn't, you know, this isn't the one I was trying to get the buckle on, you know. So yeah. I kind of went in with that mindset and I went in with my two buddies who were signed up for the 100K. And one of them dropped out at mile 50 and the other one finished at 100K. And I had one other thing go on with me with that race. I'd never done any night running before that race. Ah, uh, gotcha. Going into that race, I don't know if you know about it, but uh, Luis Escobar puts it on and, you know, it's all we do is run. It's in near Santa Barbara and this on this ranch. And you basically run two 10-mile loops. It's like a figure-eight course. Okay. And he says, you know, it's on a ranch. You'll see these cows, you know, at a couple parts of the races. And all day, never saw any cows. And I never grew up on a farm, so I'm not comfortable around big animals. But yeah. I'm going, you know, I, I felt good the first 60 miles. But then I'm doing my first lap at night, you know, because on my next 10-mile loop. And I come across this field, and it's dark, and there's all these big glowing eyes. And they're like <laughs> right in the middle of my path. And yeah. I just... I freaked out. I'm like, you know, I went way, way around them off the course to get around this huge herd of cows in the dark with my headlamp on. And I was just, and there was nobody else around. It was really spread out. And I just, that spooked me. Yeah. I was feeling great. But when I came out on the next lap and I saw both my buddies just sleeping in the tent, I'm like, well, you know what? I did 70 miles. That's good enough. Yeah. And I did learn that I need to do more running at night because I just kind of got spooked out running at night and the cows. I know it sounds silly, man. Looking back, it's stupid. You know, but now yeah. I'm comfortable running at night. Right. And I've seen bears and mountain lions running at night. And I'm just like, you know, usually you flash a light at them and they run away because they get scared of your light, you know. So, yeah. So I learned those- that one that one <laughs> yeah you don't you don't know what you don't know sometimes you know yeah yeah <laughs> yeah and then uh, another dnf was the first time i went to do daytona 100 um i changed my nutrition plan the day of the race <laughs> oh yeah that that's smart that's <laughs> yeah <laughs> I had decided that uh, instead of, you know, because I had learned after a couple hundreds that it's good to try and fill up on solid foods like the first half of the race because I had a really hard time putting down solid foods after 50 miles. And that's when I would do like goose and, you know, Carbopro or something. Yeah. But this race, I decided I'm just going to start with the Carbopro and eat the solid foods. And I ended up basically just filling up my stomach with too many calories and like 
I don't know, my stomach just like imploded at mile 80. And I just was like, I don't know, I was just done. Oh, <laughs> I had man. Major, I think I just over calorinated over it just took in too many calories yeah, between yeah. carbo has a lot of liquid calories and plus the solid food i was eating and i just had major stomach problems i got so that was a bad thing to change your nutrition plan the day of the race so don't yeah. do that okay that's that's good that's hey that's good stuff man that's a good lesson <laughs> yeah and then uh let's see my third and fourth dnf were both uh the last two times i went to do ac 100 um because mm. i've i'm two for four at ac 100 i finished okay. in 2014 I went back in 2016 and I finished four hours faster. Nice. And then I went back in 2018. I didn't get into the lottery in 2017. And I went back in 2018 and 2019. In 2018, the heat got me. I'm the bald-headed guy who never runs with a hat. And that oh, year, okay. that year it was exceptionally hot. I mean, it's always hot in August. Yeah. But um, there's this point in the course from mile 14 to 18, you climb up Mount Baden Powell. It's the highest point in the course. It's 9,300 feet in elevation. Yeah. And all the other years I ran it, when you get up at that high elevation, it's really cool. You know, it's like 60 degrees. It feels great. That yeah. year, it was like 85 degrees going up it, and it was yeah. warm the whole time. And I didn't think about it because I'm used to running in Southern California heat. But I ran without a hat on all day. And by the time I got to mile 40, I was the heat had definitely affected me because I kind of felt like a zombie. And I couldn't focus. And I was also running the race solo that year. I didn't have pacers. Yeah. You know, I got into Chilea, which is like the halfway mark. But I mean, now it's mile 44 because they had to change the course a little. But um, I just like couldn't think straight. And I ended up kind of zombie walking until I got to, I think it's the shortcut age station. I think it's mile 50, mile 50. I got there and I laid on the cot for like an hour. <laughs> but then these, these bad water girls said, you know what? You can keep going. You know, you still got time. You know, so I got up. And I managed to get to the next aid station, but then there was only like a half hour before the cutoff, and I just, that whole, I was so pissed off with those bad water ladies. <laughs> the stretch from mile 50 to 60, it was because it was 10 miles the next aid station. The first two miles were downhill. That wasn't bad. But then the rest of it was all uphill. And every step climbing up through the Red Buck aid station, I was like, those bad water yeah. <laughs> I don't remember who they were. <laughs> and God bless their heart, you know, they're just trying to get you to finish instead of DNF, and it's not their fault, you know. But I was, I had such dark thoughts running through my head. But I, it was the heat that got me that year. Yeah. And yeah. then the, the last time, last year, uh, I just, uh, I had a hat on, you know, and yeah, I, I yeah, made yeah. sure I stayed cool. I had the ice pack and the, what do you call it, the ice burrito around the neck. You know, I stayed yeah, cool during yeah, the day. Yeah. And I and I used pacers again. I tried. I didn't go solo. And then uh, my, my pacer. I, I got to the halfway point, and I just didn't feel like running anymore. And I literally walked the 30 miles from Chileo to Chantry Flats, and I got to Chantry Flats right when it timed out. So. Oh man. And I just kept thinking, well, if I just keep walking, I can get there. But I just every time he said let's run, I'd take a few steps. I'm like, nope. But I just kept trying to power hike through. But I wasn't power hiking fast enough, and missed the yeah. cutoff at, at the mile 75. Oh man. Well, you know, and 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 it's I, I think it's important for people to hear that too, you know, because sometimes those things happen, you know. Mm -hmm. But and you can choose after that to to learn from it, and and you know, okay, what what happened, what, and then go after it again, or you know, keep going, or try a different one, uh, or or you can give up and don't do anything, you know. You you either keep going, you know, and so I I don't know, I don't think you've you failed if you if you learn something from it, you know, and yeah, and try again.
the only way we can succeed is through lots of failure first, right? Even Michael Jordan says, I failed over and over and over again before I could succeed. You know, scientists, everybody, we all got to, that's how you learn is through failure. So, you know, I've learned to wear a hat and I've learned not to change my <laughs> plan. Yeah, and I'm working yeah. on my mental game. I've just, I've been reading more books. Like I've just finished reading the ultra mindset and I'm just, you know, doing what I did when I first got into ultras is reading more books by ultra runners, you know, just getting yeah. that mentality. Cause it's, it's, you know, it's, it's almost a hundred percent mental really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's isn't it crazy though how you can run a race that you've done before yeah. and 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 you can take it for granted, you know, yeah. and 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 think, yeah, I got this. I've done it before. I can get out there and do it and then boom, 100 miles will smack you in the mouth, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah As my friend Larry Rich says, the AC100 course will eat you up, uh, chew you up and spit you out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah. So I mean and even even a flat 100, you know, you just can't yeah. you can't take it for granted. 100 miles is 100 miles, man. You got to you got to, you know, you got to have your head in the game, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Man, that's 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 crazy. So so you've learned all this and I'm looking at your ultra sign up right now and I, I see <laughs> I see the Kodiak 100 coming up. I see I don't even know how to pronounce that one in Julian, California, the Aura Flame. That one just got canceled. Uh, oh man. And, and then the Kodiak the, got canceled because of the fires, but I did the virtual 50k. So. Okay, okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. I know, man. It, it's been it's been tough and and you know we we kind of talked a little bit before about, you know, trying to the motivations t- is is hard. But, you know, but I want to encourage everybody out there, you know, some races are starting to happen, but just keep trying to plug away, keep a base, keep, keep doing something for not only for physical, but for mental, man, we got to, you know, cause yeah, it gets rough if you're just sitting around not doing nothing and and you're, you're, you're a doer. Yeah. Yeah. I I know I got to have something to train for. Otherwise I just thought, well, what's the point in going to run or, you know, cross train if I don't have some, that goal I'm working towards for, for me, it's got to be a race. So. Yeah, yeah, and the the virtual, you know, uh, I I did, uh, I had some races that converted to virtual that I I went ahead and did, um, and then I had we actually had some small races that we were able to do during during everything, and then I did um, uh, Silver Heels in in Colorado um, mm. just just recently. That was tough, but uh, <laughs> high altitude toughness. But uh, I'm thankful for those. But boy, I, I miss all the in between, you know, the 50s and the yeah, marathons yeah. and the training, the training races. Yeah, training races. I had training. I got some training races deferred for next year. I'm yeah, all yeah. lined up for next year, dude. I know, me too. I'm all lined up for next year. Yeah. yeah. So, so, uh, what are your, what are your, what's your big goal? I mean, are any races? Uh, I, you know, you said something about doing your Western States qualifier. I saw uh, one of your yeah. posts. Um, what, what's, what, what big races do you want to, you know, on your bucket list, man, that you really want to get done? Well, you know, it really depends on on the, the day, <laughs> yeah, yeah. but uh, and where my mindset's at. But uh, definitely Western states. I've been in the lottery four years in a row. Okay. And uh, as I'm listening to Into the Free Furnace by Corey Reese, man, Badwater is something that I really would like to do because I get to train in the heat a lot in SoCal. Yeah. And I feel like you know that's an advantage, you know. And our summers seem to keep getting hotter and hotter, and we're literally on fire. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, yeah. I mean, I've yeah. been running in smoky air um and bad water you know the only thing that's kind of hold me back on trying to throw the application for bad water is the race fee is so expensive you know so yeah. Yeah. but if i had the money like i told my son today i'm like if somebody paid for me i'd, I'd dinner every year now <laughs> I, just, <laughs> I gotta yeah. save up a little I, I don't know if i'm ready to invest that much i mean but what are the odds of getting in they only take 100 people so yeah yeah so definitely western states maybe bad water um and hard rock is another one i'd like to do 
Yeah, man. Uh, yeah, Hard Rock. That's a that's a tough one. I, I wouldn't mind throwing my my uh, my hat in there. You know, try to get into that one. But I mean, they haven't had it, so it's going to be harder to get in. Same thing with with states. Um, luckily, yeah. I got when you. Uh, luckily, I got I, I've done states, and uh, so we'll, we'll see. I, I I'll try to get in again later. Let let some other people have a chance, especially since it was canceled but uh man uh i have some good uh podcasts i it, it was crazy for a while it seemed like the, uh, quite a few that i that i interviewed were uh people who had done bad water and who were going to do it so man i got a few in in the in the lat in the queue in the last little bit listen to that it'll light you up because i always said never and then i was talking to them and i'm like they're talking about suffering and everything i'm like i don't know maybe and my wife's like yeah no i don't know <laughs> yeah. you got yeah. to get somebody else to crew yeah, you. That one. yeah yeah she'll come crew me for 200 miles in the mountains but but bad water she's like yeah i don't know about all that <laughs> well the only race my wife crewed me at was that double iron man <laughs> oh really she supports yeah. me by watching the kids while i'm out here doing all this crazy stuff so hey that's huge yeah man that yeah. We, we you know they enable us when we're out training and running and, and doing all that yeah and I, I end up doing a lot of the races i'll go out and, and do it my, myself but uh when she can you know when we can get somebody to watch the kids we'll she'll come and crew me so but uh so uh here i gotta ask i asked this to to a lot of people but uh you ever thought about any of the 200s man i have thought about the 200s and actually i was thinking a lot about them um from say 20 after the double iron man until 2018 when i kind of had you know the knee problems yeah yeah. and then i started thinking well you know i don't know and again the race fees are so expensive because they're like more than bad water so it's just been money i think that's been holding me back because uh i definitely would like to do tahoe or um the bigfoot i don't know about going straight to moab like you (laughs) (laughs) well well we'll we'll see what happens i'm taking what i can get this year so (laughs) because that one's 240 or whatever right yeah but it's only it's got the same elevation gain in 240 miles that tahoe has in 205 so that's my justification for it (laughs) (laughs) we can justify anything when it comes to running right (laughs) oh yeah man yeah well hey who knows man maybe uh you know your book uh the book people people will buy it and read it and uh help you to get to race a little bit more man that'd be yeah, awesome that was kind of my hope in the beginning but i'm learning that uh there's not a lot of profit in book sales unless you're already a celebrity <laughs> gotcha yeah 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 gotcha well but it, but it's probably um uh, you know, that's probably part of your motivation, but it's it's probably kind of therapeutic, I would think, to to get your 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 story down on paper, like to really process it and flesh it out and figure, you know, figure out how to communicate it. I don't, I don't know, man, that must have been an interesting process. And, and did you do you feel like it, it, it was even part of healing maybe a little bit oh, or yeah. something? It was very therapeutic. Um, and uh, it kind of, you know. From working the 12-step programs, what led me to start actually doing the writing for it, you know, and, and I reflected on a lot of the step work I had done because there's written step work you do working the 12 steps that, that helped me put the book together, you know. Okay. So. Yeah. That's 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 cool, man. That's cool. Well, man, I uh, and you talked about it burning in California. My, you know, my son's out there in Oceanside, and I looked at a map to try to see where all the fires are and it looked like you know other states have a few little fires here and there but it looks like all of california is on fire um man stay safe out there you know i I know it's affecting everything you know on top of covid yeah Yeah, the bobcat fires really (laughs) hit a lot of the ac100 course right here on all the local trails i run which is really um frustrating but you know 
Our other trail runner friends and uh, co-race directors remind us that, uh, you know, the burn cycle is part of the, you know, you know, a natural part of the cycle here in Southern California. You know, it happens every so many years. It, it forests all over the place, you know, all that extra growth, you know, burn, they burn down, but they grow back. So some of them that were would have happened be, even with COVID got canceled because of the fires. Uh, right? right. Yeah. 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 Crazy like year. The Kodiak man. race that got canceled. I mean, they changed the format because of COVID, but then it just got canceled because they had the El Dorado fire out there, yeah. which came really close to Big Bear. And I think it might have hit portions of the course, but it definitely had the smoke, just so much smoke everywhere. The air quality was just horrible. It's clearing up this week, thank God. You know, good, That one's good. mostly contained. The Bobcat's still only 15% contained, and it's got over 105,000 acres burned now. But uh, wow. I had one friend who drove through some of the Angeles Crest Highway. I know it's supposed to be closed, but I guess he had some access. And uh, some of the, the checkpoints and areas, like a lot of the tall trees are still standing. Like it just burnt the undergrowth and it didn't oh, hit all the trees. Good. You know, some areas got hit, but, you know, there are a lot of places that the fire went through, but like the, the campsite's still there. You know, a lot of places we thought were gone, but there's, you know, a lot of places have survived. So that's nice, good. nice. Well. Well, I always like to ask this kind of toward the toward the end of a podcast. I like to get, um, you know, people always like to hear what what equipment people are using. So I'm gonna start with start from the bottom up, man. What kind of what shoes? You, what kind of trail shoes you like to wear? Uh, I like the Hoka Challengers. Those are my favorites. All right, Hoka Challengers. All right, and then uh, what kind of what kind of pack do you wear when you when you're out there doing a hundred? I have this uh, Chinese model pack. I can't even pronounce it but it starts with the a it's like a i o n a u g j y j i okay french word a n o g yeah yeah it's i, I just got it because it's like the nathan pack but it's you know it's just a cheaper <laughs> version on, on a teacher's salary i'm looking for something that works and is yeah. efficient but costs less <laughs> yeah yeah nice nice well and uh what do you uh do for um for your gps what kind of watch you use um, I had been using a Garmin Forerunner 920 for a long time, but I just got one of those Coros uh, Apexes, and I'm yeah. really liking that one because so. the battery life is supposed to be like 100 hours. So. Yeah, I heard a lot of good things about that. Uh, yeah, that's yeah. really cool. Nice. Um, and then w- when you're out, uh, I heard you say something about Carbo Pro is, is one of the things that you're using. What are you using uh, for nutrition and electrolytes? Oh, I gave up on Carbo Pro after that. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I hear you. For electrolytes, what I do now is uh, either the night before or the morning before the race, I drink a, a, a bottle of Pedialyte, and then I carry salt tabs, um, Enduro lights or salt stick, and I usually just take one every two hours. Okay. Because if you take too many of those, it's a bad thing. So. Yeah, yeah. So I you kind of spread it out every two to three hours even for 100. You know, I spread it out over 100. Okay. What do you do for your calories? For my calories, uh, mostly solid foods, Cliff Bars, peanut butter and jellies, um, fruit at the aid stations. And because uh, what I carry with me is Cliff Bars, I love Cliff yeah. Bars, and nice. uh, and PBJs if I pack a sandwich, and then whatever they got at the aid station, I I'll eat whatever they have at the aid station. <laughs> yeah, yeah, kind of same. I, I try to see what you know. Uh, that looks good, you know. <laughs> yeah, what, yeah. Also, what does it feel like? Water. Sometimes it's watermelon. Sometimes it's hot soup. You know, it really depends on the time of the day and the temperature and everything and where your body's at. Yeah, so. yeah. Nice, nice. Well, man. If somebody's listening right now, you know, in, in, in closing, if somebody's listening right now, they've they've kind of let themselves go or they've never really been athletic and and 
they they they've had the mindset that they can never do something like you know run run a race or run a 5k or 10k you know or somebody comes to you i know you do uh from your website you do some some coaching and some some things like that what would you what would you tell a person like that speak speak to the person there that's that wants to wants to but don't think they can I would say first and foremost, you know, we, you know, us humans are amazing beings and our bodies are very adaptable and we really can do almost anything if we put our mind to it, except for maybe time travel, right? Yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah. uh, I would say start small, you know, and I would tell them my story, you know, you know, I weighed 250 pounds and I was smoking a pack of cigarettes a day and, you know, I went out on day one, January 1st, 2009, and I ran a mile just to see how fast I could run a mile. When I was in high school, I ran a sub five minute mile. When I was 250 pounds of smoking a pack a day, I couldn't even do it in 12 minutes. And I felt horrible because that was my main event in high school. And uh, so, but that was my benchmark. I'm like, okay, you know, there's, <laughs> we're only going to go up from here, you know. And I put the cigarettes down and I started running a mile almost every day. And before I knew it, I was back to sub tens. And, you know, in a few more months, I was down to eight, sub eight and sub seven. And then I was able to do sub six again, you know. I never got back to sub five. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Older and my yeah. knees, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Because um, it's hard to run sub five for me. I'm not an elite. So, um, and just, you know, start small, you know, if, I would tell them, you know, if it's just walking around your block, you know, start doing one one lap every day and then, then week two, start doing two laps, you know, and just make a commitment, you know, and, and I would also say, you know, before you allow yourself to do whatever it is you do to relax, if it's have a glass of wine or play video games or watch the ball game or read a book or whatever it is, make sure you go out there and do something active for at least 30 minutes, you know, get the blood flowing, you know, and, and then you're allowed to relax and kick back and watch Netflix or whatever it is you do in your free time. You know? Yeah. Earn it. Yeah. Earn it. Yeah. Yeah. And then you feel like, hey, I worked out. Now I can afford to relax. I deserve to relax. Now, I, you know, your body needs to be you know, your body needs to be moved. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Nice. And build. Yeah. Build on those little small the small things and just and just go with it. Yeah. That's good, man. That's good. As honestly, yeah. when I started all that, I never thought I was going to be doing Ironmans and ultra races. You know, <laughs> I yeah. just wanted to get back to be able to maybe run a marathon again. You know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wanted to feel feel good, feel alive. Yeah, I mean, I thought it was crazy to run more than, like, even when I just ran marathons, I was like, I would didn't even want to run 26.3 miles. I'm like, after 26.2, <laughs> I was done. Why would yeah. anybody want to take one step further, you know? But, you know, your mindset yeah. changes as you, you know, get more and more fit and, you know, do, do enough marathons. You're like, okay, what's next? I want to do something else. Challenge yourself. I just like to challenge myself, so I just kept pushing the envelope, you know? Yeah, yeah. When you get to the end of one and you're like, that was tough, but that's still more in there. There's still more. It's still something yeah, yeah. else. Still something left. <laughs> or I, either I can go back and do it faster or I'm going to find a tougher race. So, you know, at this point at 46, I'm like, I just kind of hopefully get enough money to do different races in different areas, like you said, just to see yeah. different parts of the country and, and hopefully the world, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's good, man. That's And that's part of what's next, actually, is I, I put in a team for the Eco Challenge in Patagonia. Oh, nice, dude. That's awesome. They had 5,000 teams enter, though. Oh, <laughs> the, man. I don't know if you watched the series on Amazon, uh, Eco Challenge Fiji, World's Toughest uh, Race. But uh, they had a thousand teams put in for that year, which was last year, and only 66 teams selected. So now we got 5,000 teams, and probably you know maybe only 66 teams selected. And so, cross our fingers, we get in Team Inceptor. 
Team Inceptor. All right. I, I, I've heard of a few other people putting their names in. And then uh, uh, I interviewed Mars Ulrich uh, when he, uh, him and the, oh, before they, they were in it. And so I need to go watch it and go, yeah, go see the Stray oh, Dogs, man. It's series, man. It's hosted by Bears, Bear Grylls. I yeah, right. yeah. Bear Grylls. Yeah. yeah. All the Man vs. Wild shows. And uh, he's, you know, so he's got so much energy and he's, it's just fun to listen to him talk. And yeah, all the teams are really cool. And yeah, it's very, once I, I literally, I watched the first episode. I was five minutes in, I hit pause and I got on the internet and just started Googling, okay, when's the next one? How do I, <laughs> when, when do you apply? What do I got to do? Cause I'm just like kind of ready for the next big challenge. And that just looks yeah. exciting because you're kayaking, you're mountain biking, you're trekking, you're glacier trekking, you know, it's oh. like horseback riding. It's going to have a lot of cool stuff. You're, you're climbing ropes, you know, it's going to be fun. Yeah, my wife's cousin at the gym has been watching this, and she had the same thing. She's like, "If I said if ever I did that, we get uh, David's gonna be on it with me or something like that. If you get a team, I want to be on it." And I was like, "Okay, whatever." You know, it's like (laughs) look into it. You know, they have smaller versions that they're called adventure races here. Yeah. Oregon and California there's like well they've been kind of postponed with COVID but they'll be back once COVID's over so if we don't get into Eco Challenge we're going to find one that's closer by and do you know one of the local ones so yeah uh, before I even heard, ever heard of the adventure races a friend of mine Walker Higgins from from Louisiana he did I'd, I have him on the podcast he did uh Badwater and he was supposed to be in this year again but um he um He's, he did a bunch of adventure races years back when they were doing a lot of them and they kind of tapered off. But uh, I, I need to talk to him again to see if he's, you know, now that they're starting to crank some more of those back up. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I go partner with him and go go do some craziness, man. That'd be fun. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I've already bought a kayak and taken it out a few times and tuned nice. up my mountain bike and just like, you know, just mixing up the training. It's good cross training, you know, so. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Well, man, um, I I thank you for being on, man, and uh, you know, glad to, glad to get to visit with you, get to know you, and uh, and look forward to to seeing what your you know the, your future plans out there. Look forward to seeing what happens with your book, and uh, just following you along, man, on uh, social media. Yeah, you too. Thanks, man. It was thanks for having me, and uh, good luck at the Moab 240, which would be what in August or September? Yeah, uh, October, October 9th, man. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's coming. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> well, thanks, man. And uh, hey, you have a good one and uh, stay safe out there with all the craziness going on. All right. Yeah, you too, man. <laughs> all right. Take care.